Um, this sermon has been on my, on my heart. It's really a series. Um, honestly, I had this sermon series planned a month ago, and I didn't know what I was preaching last week. And so like, it was like Saturday night, and I'm like, God, I know the rest of the month, but I don't know today. You know? Um, but uh, Fresh Fire, this, I heard this song, and immediately God gave me uh, this whole series. And so we're going to take the next five weeks and look at characters in the Bible and follow uh, this anointing of God, this fresh fire and the symbol- symbolism of fire throughout the Bible um, is, is uh, not only we think of hellfire and brimstone and, and punishment, but there is also a side of fire that's beneficial. Uh, just like a knife can cut to kill, but it can also uh, be a scalpel that that cuts out cancer and, and cuts out growth and, and things like that. And so um, we're able to uh, use fire to benefit us. And, and so um, God uses that analogy throughout Scripture. And so I'm super excited because Above all, I believe that God, as we've been seeking revival and, and believing for revival and a, and a great awakening, not only in this church, but in this community, that I believe, and what I've been praying for regularly, is that every Bible-believing church in this community would be filled and overflowing, that it wouldn't just be limited to life fellowship, but that every church in this community that preaches the Bible, that preaches the Word of God, that is led by the Holy Spirit, those, every church, we're not, uh, we're not a divided uh, kingdom. We are the kingdom of God. And I want to see the church, the big C church, um, continue to be built up by Jesus because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And he's building his church. And we need a fresh fire. And so um, it, what's interesting is I've been praying for fire of God to rain down like in Acts 2, you know, like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to see, uh, you know, that kind of fire. But the Lord has really convicted me that there's something that really uh, is, is before we see that, there's something called repentance. Um, and, and I want to look at the, uh, King David uh, in the Bible today, and, and um, I want to look at this concept of repentance and holiness. Because before we see the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and tongues of fire resting on the disciples, there's a, a call to repent and a call to wait and a call to um, uh, allow God to do what God does and work in us and through us. And so I want to look at these first, um, the first uh, uh, verse on, on the song that we just sang, and, and you guys will learn it because we're going to sing it like every week or every other week. Um, <laughs> so you might not know it yet, but we're going to, uh, because I, I do believe that God has given it, for, given it to us for this season. Search me, know me, know my every thought. I'm not going to sing, don't worry. Search me, know me, know my every thought. I surrender now on the altar, I lay it down. Okay, so this idea is from a uh, Psalm 139, and we can put that on the screen. David cries out in this psalm, and he says, Search me, Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And, and before this... Uh, David says, God, I know you know everything. He says, where could I go from your spirit? You know my inner thoughts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He, he talks about, I can't go anywhere. If I, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the depths of hell, you're, you're able to see me. There's no darkness that, that can hide me in your presence. Even darkness is light to you. There's nowhere I can go, God, that, that I don't know. You know everything. 
And so before there's even the searching and, and allowing God to say, search my heart, there's an acknowledgement that God is able to see you. And there's no hiding. There's no, there's no uh, ability that you have to, to hide from God's presence. And so uh, acknowledging that is step one, but then allowing God to see you and being a willing uh, precipitant, is that the word? Uh, You're you're willing to precipitate, no, that's rain, precipitant. I took some cold medicine. I took some cold medicine. (laughs) When I was was a college pastor, I I said, hey, hey, I'm sorry, Uh, I took some cold medicine, so I'm preaching on drugs tonight, and and so... And uh, somebody, like, took that and snipped it and, like, quoted me on it. And I'm like, no, don't say that. Like, cold medicine. So now it's out there again. So I've done it twice. But um, so I apologize. Yeah, so you're participating, not precipitating, um, in allowing God to see your heart and allowing God to know you. Because he knows you regardless of whether you're allowing him or not. But it's saying, hey, God, I'm aligning my will with your will. I, I'm allowing you to look at me. God, show me any, anything that's in me that's, that's grievous. God, allow me to know and, and see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So it's two parts. It's, it's three parts. It's acknowledging God can see me. So it's aligning my will with God's will and saying, God, uh, look at me and then lead me is the third step. Lead me in the way that's everlasting. Show me what I'm doing wrong and lead me in the way that's everlasting. That's really the first step in becoming a Christian, is it not? We're confessing Jesus is Lord. We're saying, Jesus, I don't know where I'm going. I'm lost. I, don't, I can't do this without somebody. I need somebody. I need a God. I need you are the Lord, my God, and I'm going to follow you. So you show me what to do because I've tried it myself and I don't know what I'm doing. And so we're submitting to, we're uh, humbling ourselves. There's no such thing as a proud Christian. There's, there's not. So if you consider yourself a proud Christian, reevaluate one of those areas. Um, and, and so we're, we're saying, God, use me. But I, I would submit to you that this is not a new believer's challenge. This is not uh, simply me talking to unbelievers in the room and saying, hey, if you haven't done this, do this. I'm, cons- I'm, I'm suggesting that this is a daily decision for you as Christ followers to say, search me, Lord. Show me what I'm doing wrong and lead me in a way that's better. And that continuous improvement is called sanctification. And we're talking about that on Wednesday night, so you can come then. But the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, allowing God to do what the Holy Spirit does, and we become more Christ-like. We become better people. We become uh, more godly people, not as a result of us, but it's just simply saying, God, I'm, I'm humble before you. I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me become who I'm supposed to be. And my call, uh, the reason I'm here on this platform, my calling is to show you that all that God has uh, uh, for you to be. I, I want you to be all that God has called you to be. And I believe that that's my, uh, that's my overall calling. Um, if you're curious about my personal mission statement, I want to help people be all that God has called them to be. Um, the first thing I want to point out about fire is fire cleanses. Fire cleanses. Um, we see in Psalm 51, King David had just 
had an affair. He was caught um, by, this, by this prophet named Nathan who shared this, uh, this story about, and, and, he's, and David, it was just a made-up story, but David was really angry and said, who, where is this person? And, and Nathan said, you're this person. I'll just back up and tell you the story. So uh, King David is supposed to be out at war. He's supposed to be leading the army, uh, doing his job as the king, but instead he, he sends the army off. This is, a, this is a man after God's own heart, and he's made a mistake, right? So, so we all make mistakes. Even King David made mistakes. But he sends the army off, and then he's sitting on top of his roof, and he looks down, um, and he sees uh, a woman bathing, and he lusts after her, and he sends people to go and get her, and he brings her into uh, his chamber, and, and lo and behold, they conceive, and now he's got a problem because she's married, and, and his, his, her husband is on the battlefield. And so uh, what he does in this evil uh, thread in his life is he commands the front lines to back up and leave Uriah, her, her husband, to leave him in the front lines in the heat of battle. And so he essentially commits adultery and then follows it up by murder. This is a man after God's own heart. This is King David. He's made some major mistakes. But God redeems. And, and I want you to know that if, if you might feel like King David, you may feel like you've made some mistakes. You may feel like you've, you've done too many bad things that God can't use you. But I, I want you to know that the story doesn't end there. That this, this searching of his heart happens and God points out this grievous way in him. He, he points out this thing, that, that this wickedness, and, and David begins to pull that out. He allows God to pull that out of him and he repents. And so we're going to look at that process, but you might be in here and I promise you, you, you probably didn't commit adultery and then have uh, the spouse murdered, okay? Uh, and if that's you, uh, we, we still love you, but I probably, if you haven't been uh, in the court of law, you probably can come talk to me and we can, um, you probably need to do that. Okay. <clears throat> come confess. Okay. Um, but even if that's you, God still loves you. That's the point. And so it's the cold medicine. I'm sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so God redeems the story by sending a man named Nathan. And this doesn't feel redemptive. It feels punitive. It feels like it's punishment. But, but Nathan comes and he says, David, there's, a, there's a, a man, a rich man. He has all these sheep and all, you know, flocks and flocks of sheep. And, and there's this other man, and he only, he's a very poor man, and he only has one little lamb. And he, he raises his lamb like a pet. It's, it's not even a pet. It's like a daughter. He, he lets it uh, eat at his table, and he, he, it lives in his home, and, and he loves this little lamb. And, and yet the rich man with all the flocks uh, had a guest coming, and he needed to, to uh, prepare dinner. So instead of using his sheep, he went over to this man's sheep, and he stole it from him, and he used the lamb uh, to feed his guest. And David, that anger builds up in him, and he says, this man deserves to die, and he needs to pay back the, the poor man four times. He needs, to, he needs to repay his debt, and then he deserves to die. And Nathan says, you're the man. And it wasn't a compliment. He's not like, you're the man. It's like, you are 
That may, okay, that one fell. All right, um, it's okay. Um, so, uh, so he points this out. My question is, do you have people like Nathan that, that point those things out in your life in a loving way that aren't there to judge or ridicule, but lovingly say, hey, I see this area of your life, and it, it, you, you call yourself a Christian, but this isn't Christ-like, and, and I want to help you, and I'm not here to judge, and we all make mistakes, but I, I want you to be aware of this, that God sees you, and he knows you. So in response to this calling out, this uh, God had searched David's heart, and in essence, he he showed up through Nathan, and Nathan said, the Lord says. And so um, what happens is David writes this psalm, Psalm 51. And this is a public song. It's a psalm. It's still in our Bibles today. We're reading this. And so there's not only the confession to the Lord, but it's very public. David is admitting to his, I need to be cleansed by you. Is very, he's the king. He's, he's, you know, there wasn't uh, news stations that were reporting on this, but word can spread pretty quickly. Um, and we all live in a small town, so we know that. But, but word spreads. And, and so David, rather than hiding and saying, hey, I'm the king, I can do what I want, rather than putting up a front and saying, I'm, I'm God's chosen, anointed, I, uh, I am, I'm put in this position, he just humbly, he says, um, he, he writes this psalm, and he says, God, against you and you alone have I sinned, and, and I, I need you. And, and in the middle of this psalm, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. This fire, this fresh fire, it cleanses. David says, create in me a pure heart, renew a steadfast spirit within me, and, all, and, and, and cast me not away from your presence, and take your Holy Spirit from me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Re- restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. David is asking that cleansing fire of the Lord. He's saying, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I repent of my ways. I, I, I need cleaned. And so if you haven't done that recently, I would encourage you to admit to God that you need to have a clean heart, that, that you've made some mistakes. And, and yes, we do that at salvation. When we put our faith in Jesus, that's the first step is repenting and saying, God, forgive me of my sins. I, I need you in my life. But that is also a, a daily decision for all of us as Christians. This uh, practice of repentance needs to be at the forefront of who we are, not just with God, but with others others. We need to constantly be willing to admit our mistakes and do better in the future. Uh, To not just keep saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then keep making the same mistakes, but make a plan and do better and allow the Holy Spirit of God to change us and to renew us. And so when I began to pray for revival and a fresh fire from the Lord, God said, it starts here. This is the the ember. This is the kindling that, that begins the revival or when, what, his people do what? They, no, <laughs> I was seeing how Christian you were, seeing how much hints I had to get. Uh, when his people humble themselves, right, and they, they cry out to him, they, they confess their sins. Um, and so I'll put that on the screen next week. So, um, uh, but we, we need to humble ourselves, and, and God exalts the humble. 
He opposes the proud and exalts the humble. And so we have to um, cry out to God and allow him to cleanse us. So if there's something in your life that you need cleansed from, if there's an addiction in your life or there's a secret sin or maybe it's a very public sin, um, just know that God can clean you and redeem you. If we're, uh, Peter says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's really good news. So there's no condemnation in this place. There might be some conviction, and I feel that conviction by your silence, but, but there's no condemnation because we are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And, and yet, so we can, we can continue to confess our sins and allow God to clean us and make us better. The second point is, is fire tests. It tests. Um, we see this in First Peter. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found in result uh, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a testing that happens to our faith, and that helps us know that our faith is real. That testing is no fun, right? That testing is not fun. It's like Nathan coming to David and saying, hey, uh, you've made a mistake and God sees you. And David at that point has a choice. Um, He's the king. He can do whatever he wants. He could cut uh, this prophet's head off and say that guy was a liar, uh, that, that, was in his, that was his prerogative. He's the king of the nation, but yet he submits to the Lord. He humbles himself, and he's very public about, hey, I've made a mistake, and, and he uh, begins to repent. And, and so that was a test of his faith. Are you the, the Bathsheba thing? When he, when he sees this woman on the roof, he, that was a test of his faith, and he, he failed. King David failed in that case. And there, there's going to be tests of your faith in secret. And there's going to be times where you fail and, and you recognize that there's some, your faith isn't real strong in that area. And so you, you need some encouragement. You need some refinement. But there's going to be times in your life where you have a test of faith and you pass. And that, that's a time of rejoicing where look at what God has done in me. I, on Wednesday, I talked about how there were uh, movies in, in high school, these, uh, you know, rated R movies that, and I was a Christian, you guys know my story, but, but you know, I, I wasn't sanctified yet. And so uh, there was a, you know, I'm not even, I'm not going to name any, but there were movies, you know, most comedies or whatever. And, and so I, you know, I'd watch it and think it was hilarious. And then I remember as I got older, you know, that movie was on, and I, I tried, and I was like, I can't believe I listened to that trash, you know? I, I can't, like, I couldn't even, I couldn't get through two minutes of it. I couldn't, uh, because something had changed in me, and it wasn't me sitting down and saying, I'm going to not watch, I'm not going to like that movie anymore. No, it's the Holy Spirit of God sanctifying me, and it changes my perspective, and it, 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 it changes, and through those testings of my faith, it, that sanctification process happens, and I'm no longer who I used to be. And that's a very silly example, um, uh, and, and I could use some harder examples, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, uh, there is a limit to my vulnerability. Um, but, uh, but God tests our faith, and, and he allows us to be tested, not for punishment, but he disciplines those he loves. 
And as we're refined, as we submit to him, as we say, God, show us any way in me that's not of you, guess what happens? He begins to show us some things in us that's not of him. But then as we repent, as we confess, as we follow after him, then, then God shows up and he moves in power. And God wants to move in power in this place. But the requirement is for us to be humble before him and be authentic and say, hey, God, I, I, I need you and I, I want you. There's another example that I want to point out um, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So the fire is testing, the fire is disclosing, the fire is revealing what is going on. If the work that anyone has done, uh, has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So I do want to point out that last verse is, I don't want anyone in the room to doubt your salvation, to be like, oh, I've, I haven't repented today, so I, you know, um, you're still, you're still good. You're still saved. Uh, you're still on the foundation. The foundation is Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, what we're talking about is building on that foundation and becoming all that God has called us to be. It's not about simply getting into heaven. That's never the aim of Christianity. If, if that was the purpose of becoming a Christian, then the moment that you accepted Jesus in your heart, God would take you to heaven. But there's a reason you're still here. There's a purpose that you're still here, and that's to, to continue to be all that God has called you to be and to reach the world for him. And, and so the point of being a Christian is not to make it to heaven someday. It's, it's to continue to allow God to use you here on earth and to be all that God has called you to be and to bring as many people with you into heaven as possible by sharing the good news of Jesus. And, and so while we're, while we're building this church, the gold, the, the precious stones, the silver, those things are inviting people to, into community with Jesus. Those things are, are showing compassion to, uh, to those that are in need. Those things are, are sharing the gospel around the world. Those types of things are gold and silver and precious stones. The hay, stubble, straw, that's, that's material blessing in a lot of ways. You know, it doesn't matter how nice your car is. It doesn't matter how big your house is in the end. It's all going to burn, right? It's, it's not, uh, those things you're not going to take to heaven. They're fun and, and you can have them and I'm not knocking them. Uh, I don't, you know, and, and it's funny how we, you know, uh, if we look at ourselves in comparison to the whole world, uh, you, everyone in here is rich, right? Um, you're in the top, like, 2% of the world. Uh, you know, 98% of the world's living on less than $2 a day. So if you're living on, if you have more than $2 a day, you're, you're rich. And so um, we compare ourselves to the people that you know, we think the people uh, that have a little nicer house than they're, they're the one, they're the problem, but I'm not the problem. Um, and, uh, and so I want us to have a, a right perspective and say, okay, it's not about, I'm not, ta- I'm putting blinders on, I'm just focusing on myself. I'm not focusing on my neighbors because it's easy to point out, well, their house is too big, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but so I'm not, regardless of all of that is wood, hay, straw, stubble, um, most, most things in life. 
are in that category. But there's these jewels, there's these things that you can store up treasure in heaven. And I, I've devoted my life to seeking after those things. And what are they? And, and that's really driven me to be here today. And that's the reason I'm a pastor is because I, I believe this was the most fulfilling thing that, that God was calling me to. But, but also, it's, this is the most, <laughs> this is the wisest investment that I can make. If it's true, then I want to share the gospel with as many people as I can so that all of us have an opportunity to go to heaven and confess Jesus as Lord. So what are those things in your life? What are those things that are going to stand the test? What do you spend your time doing that's going to last? How how much effort do you spend just making a paycheck? And how much effort do you spend investing wisely in the kingdom of God and building on the foundation that is Christ and, and sharing the good news with the world and investing in the next generation and helping uh, people know Jesus. I'm not saying that any of you are called to be pastors, but I am saying that you are called to be a follower of Jesus. You are called to invite your neighbor to be a good neighbor to your neighbors. Uh, you're called to uh, invite them over and share a meal with them and talk about how good God is in your life. We're all called to be Christians. You guys are quiet. I did listen to a podcast this week that said, um, that said if you, you can either preach for the applause or you can preach uh, to, to allow God to work. And usually the quieter the crowd is, the more. And so I'm just, uh, I'm going to change my perspective and believe that. And not just, <laughs> not just that you guys are sleeping or on ESPN app or whatever. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to wake you up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few points, and then we are going to apply this to our lives. Because if I make the best sermon in the world, but then we don't apply it, if I share, you know, if I'm entertaining and I'm jumping around up here and I just don't have the energy today, but if I'm, if I'm entertaining and I have, you know, fireworks or whatever, and, and I preach uh, my, <laughs> my tail off and, and I share the truth, but you don't apply it to your life, then you're just deceiving yourself. You're just sitting in a chair listening to a guy talk in a microphone. You're not being a Christian. Being a Christian is, is listening to the Word and obeying the Word. It's, it's following the Word. Okay, so uh, number one, we have to invite God to search our hearts. This is my invitation to you. It's to join me in inviting God to search our hearts. As members of Life Fellowship, if, even if you're not a member of Life Fellowship, this is a message for each and every one of you. I would encourage you to say, God, is there something in my life that I'm just blind to, that I'm unaware of? Is there something that I could do better, that I could serve you better? Is there, is there something in me that, that I need to change in order to honor you? And there's a lot of things. <laughs> there's a lot of things. And so don't get overwhelmed. Just pick one. Just pick one. And just focus on that. Allow God to, to show that one thing. And what I've found in my personal life is, is God will kind of reveal this thing to me, reveal this thing to me, reveal this thing to me. And then I'll finally find victory over it. And I'll finally, you know, uh, kind of show some improvement and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in me. And then, and I, I feel like, great, this is, you know, I'm perfect now, right? I'm just like Jesus. And then there's another thing right under that one that I was just unaware of. And, and so that's kind of in my life. I don't know how God works in your life, but it, uh, that, that might be 
something that happens that you're like, if I could just, if I could just get over this one sin in my life, you know, if I could just fight this one addiction and, and overcome it, then I would be good and I would be great. And then you finally do it. And then there's another thing that you weren't aware of, you know. And, um, and so if, you're, if you invite God to search your heart, if you're married, you could just ask your spouse. That's a faster way um, to find out what's going on. <laughs> Not really. <clears throat> Not really. This has to be a personal decision. And that's what often, that's what I found as a pastor is I can preach at you all day and tell you what you're doing right and wrong. And, and I have people that are like, no, pastor, step on my toes. Um, you know, preach hellfire and brimstone. And, and you might say that, but it's just not effective. Um, the Holy Spirit working in your heart, that's what's effective. And so it has to be you that invites God into your life. It has to be you that says, God, show me what I'm doing wrong, God, and help me to be better. And it has to be a personal decision. It can't be something that, that you know, I just got you emotional about by, uh, by pointing out. The next thing is to confess your sins and to repent. And, and I say that, and that might be a given, but, but oftentimes we'll, we'll pray and, and, and God will show us something and you'll say, well, I can't do anything about that. That's just who I am. But, and we, so we just go back and forth between these two points, and I would encourage you to say, God, you're right. Or maybe it's, honey, you're, you're right. I do get angry. I do need to take out the trash. I, I do, you know, uh, you might need to ask for forgiveness from your spouse, and you may need to, um, to it, it might not just be confessing your sins to God. It might be like David did, and it might be a public thing where you, you have to apologize to your employees or you have to uh, make things right with a friend or you have to call your sibling and, and make things right with them. And it, it might be uh, communicating to not just God, but to others that, that repentance, that means the, the word literally means to turn 180 degrees. And so it doesn't just mean, it doesn't mean just saying, I'm sorry. It, uh, it doesn't mean just crying. It means changing direction. And making a plan to not have, you know, it's one thing to say, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. And it's another thing to say, I'm, I'm sorry, and it'll never happen again. And here's what I'm doing to ensure that it never happens again. Uh, the example that comes to mind is um, I was in college ministry, and even uh, in college, and this is going to be heavy and it's going to fill weight, but um, uh, uh, there was a season of my early teenage years where I was addicted to pornography, and, and that might be shocking, and oh, you're a pastor, but um, look at the stats, and they're unbelievable. And it's, it's an epidemic. It's a problem. Um, and so what I've done and what I encourage college, uh, when I was doing college ministry especially, and I, I would encourage all of you, because I know the stats, um, is there's an app. Uh, the one I used was called Covenant Eyes and still used to this day. And it does have a fee, but what happens is it, it records uh, my computer screen and my phone screen, and it sends screenshots to my wife periodically. And it's fun for us just because it's never anything, because I, I, there's, which, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's never anything bad just because, like, and even, okay, I'm a pastor, and I get all that, but even for you, just imagine if your wife could see everything that you're looking at on your phone. Like, that alone is enough to be like, well, I'm not even tempted anymore, you know? Um, um, and so uh, I would encourage you, so, so that's an example that I don't have notes, confession, I don't have notes today, um, uh, so none of this is in my notes, but, um, but that's just an example of, 
okay, I'm repenting. I, I'm sorry and never in that. There, pornography, for example, is this cyclic. Uh, there's chemicals in your brain. There's this thing. And it, regardless of what that addiction is, whether it's alcohol or, or whatever else that you can, your sin of choice, um, th- there's something that has to change. There's something that has to break that cycle. And, and so um, if it's pornography, I would, I would suggest looking into Covenant Eyes or, or similar apps, that uh, accountability software that's out there that'll send uh, emails and, screen, you know, all of those things. Um, and it's, it's fun with your spouse because it's always like, anyway, I won't even, it's just like silly stuff. Uh, it's always false positives. But um, uh, like my wife bought underwear and it flagged me and I'm like, I didn't do it. Okay, so... <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, um, <laughs> so there's a difference. You got to make a plan and then repent. Okay. So confess your sins and repent. Make a plan. What you? It's all good and fine to to get really emotional on a Sunday morning and say, say Dakota got me fired up on Sunday and I feel really bad about doing this and I'm never gonna do it again. If you don't make a plan, it, it's not gonna change. What are you doing to repent from that? What are you doing to turn yourself away from that? What are you doing to put up barriers to say, I'm not going to deal with this anymore, and here's what I'm doing. I'm going to tell some people in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a group, an accountability group. I'm going to ask people into my life. I'm going to ask God to search my heart, but then I'm going to ask others to hold me accountable. So anytime I say a cuss word for my friend to call me out on it, um, there's got to be a, a plan in place, and that repentance often requires um, some other people. And I think we've made that mistake in Christianity when it's this, that we say it's a personal relationship with Jesus, and it is, but it's not a private one. We're designed for community. And so for some reason, we feel like this repentance has to be between me and God, and nobody else can be involved. You can ask for help. Uh, you can ask for help with those things that you're struggling with, and God will send people your way, but you have to trust them, and you have to be real with them, and you can't put up a front, and you can't put up... Another thing I do with uh, college students is a red, yellow, green. Um, I would send out a text, and they would respond with, red, I've messed up, yellow, uh, I'm tempted, green, I'm good, thanks for praying. Um, and, and so then I would kind of know, and there's no, you know, whatever that sin is, you just have to have people in your life that are willing to help hold you accountable, and I think that it helps with repentance. Uh, number three is ask God to clean, renew, draw near, and uh, restore joy. That's a whole sermon. Um, you can find it. Uh, well, I, we didn't record Wednesday, did we? Uh, this is a seven-point sermon on Psalm 51. Um, if you're in life groups, I, I've, some of the points are on this because I know that's a lot. But Psalm 51, verses 10 and 12 through 12. That's, that's what this is. Uh, David is asking God to clean. He's asking God to renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's, he's asking God to draw near. Don't, don't kick me out of your presence, Lord. I want to draw near to you. Oftentimes when we sin, what do we do? We, want, we are ashamed and we try to hide like Adam and Eve. But what does David do? He draws near and he says, don't take me away from your presence, Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I need the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit left your life, would you notice? Are you living empowered by the Holy Spirit? And restore joy. Uh, we, we need to remember the joy, remember our first love, remember the life that Jesus saved you from. 
Remember who you used to be before Jesus and who you're turning into now. And remember that love that you had for Jesus and that joy um, will continue to fill you. And, and it's just like in marriage, when, when you're having a difficult time in marriage, remember when you were first dating and you first asked uh, her to marry you and you, you, you know, um, remember your first love and what will happen, it will stir those same chemicals up and it will allow you to, to kind of enter into that honeymoon phase again if you dwell and meditate on those things. And sometimes as Christians, we need to dwell and meditate on, on what God has meant to us and, and, and have gratitude and understand everything that he's done. And then finally, as the musician comes, um, we want to build on the foundation of Christ. And this is 1 Corinthians, uh, um, I don't remember the, the exact passage, but uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, we want to build on the foundation that is Christ. We want to continue to build our, uh, not our kingdom, but we want to build God's kingdom and continue to move forward. And so our goal is not to get to heaven. Our goal is, is not just to be a good person. Uh, our goal, so that, you know, we have these baby steps, and, and you can go through growth track, and, and, and honestly, if you go through growth track, and you do everything, then you're, then you're in a life group, and you're serving in church, and you're volunteering, and you're sharing Jesus, and, and all of that is just this. We're just trying to help you see that, that it's not simply sitting in a chair, listening to me talk in a microphone, that God has more for you, and he wants you to build on the foundation of Jesus, that Jesus is the foundation, but he wants you to step forward and to be better and to make disciples of all nations, and that requires a constant, obedi- a constant um, obedience and following after him, and he wants you to be the best that you can be. He wants you to invest in the kingdom. He wants you to get to heaven and and have some people there that are there because of you and your willingness to step out in faith and do what God has called you to do. And so if if we recognize this and we understand this and we say, God, we, we want you to refine us. We want you to refine us. And Malachi, it prophesies about Jesus is the, is the refiner. He's, he, he's the refiner's fire or the fuller's soap. And so he cleanses us and he, he refines us. He refines all the impurities out of us. It's like um, a crucible, right? That it, when you put silver and gold, it, all of the stuff rises to the top and, and drifts away and you're left with the pure gold you're you're left with the pure silver and so that's that's what we're trying to do that's what i'm trying to encourage you to do i can't make that decision for you and so i i know i have a cold and and all of those things but but i was intentionally not overly emotional today because god checked my spirit and and that's just my personality and I, i'm excited and i i like preaching i get fired up but god told me no it's got to be your choice it can't be influenced by me just being passionate about something. What do you want? Do you want the fire of God? Do you want a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit? Do you want revival? Do you want to see this place on fire for Jesus? Because I will tell you that if you want it, then that's when we will see all the things that God has in store for us. 
But it can't just be me. It's got to be your decision. So what do you want? With every head bowed, every eye closed.